Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. This day, next week, it'll be Christmas Day. We'll be in the midst of it at this stage. And the households where Santa Claus will have visited, they'll be up hours at this stage. Most people will be exhausted and ready to uh, go back to bed. John Paul is taking your calls back with us today at 1850-333-103. Texting and WhatsApping also available at uh, 0862-103-103. It was very, very stormy yesterday afternoon and into yesterday evening. There was gale for winds uh, blowing. I have debris all over the garden this morning I have to say and of course it has led to some electricity outages. We're getting reports of electricity outages in Knocknagui, Cullen Newmarket, Ballinagui, uh, Ballincollig in Upton and ESB networks are working as we speak and they're due to have power restored to all of the areas by later this evening. So at various stages throughout the day you can expect to have your power on but at the very latest they hope to have everybody back up and running uh, later on uh, this evening. Actually we're going to be talking funnily enough with the ESB networks on the programme uh, today because they're offering words of advice on electrical safety with Christmas in mind with people lighting up their homes homes and uh, their gardens. There's as much light now being put outside as there is inside. There's probably more lights outside actually in some houses than they have inside. So how do you know that everything is okay and is safe and when you buy something that says it is for outdoor use, how can we be absolutely sure it is? So we're going to get advice from the people that know ESB Networks uh, joining us on the programme and also looking at uh, safety inside in the house as well, probably as if not more important. We want to keep everybody safe uh, this Christmas. We're also going to be talking once again about the Roscommon eviction. Uh, We mentioned it yesterday on the programme. Still getting in commentary from people. Tom in Bantry was on already this morning saying it was just awful the way that eviction was handled uh, for the family in Roscommon. And actually if you think about it, it was this day last week It was Tuesday when the eviction happened. Um, Tom says we heard of we've heard of all of this before in Ireland and the way the banks treated that family was just so wrong. They should meet with the family. They should be holding discussions uh, with the family. But please don't send in security and heavy boys to kick them out and evict them from their home. It is all so wrong. And then what happened subsequently because of the anger in the area and the local vigilante group as it's been reported on in all of the papers uh, today that's also wrong says Tom in Bantry and a poor innocent dog ending up dying there was one of the security guys that their dog he had to be uh, put down 
It's sickening and all of this happening just before Christmas. It is awful, awful uh, carry on. And, and I think, you know, nobody will condone violence. What happened at the weekend when the, the, the vigilante, if you want to use the word vigilante group, went in. I don't think anybody would condone that. But I think there is a level of, certainly yesterday, the cause we were getting to the programme, a level of understanding why that happened, why that group of people got together. I think there was about 20 of them in total storming the house early in the morning. And I still go back to the question that was raised yesterday on the programme. Why did the bank have eight security guards permanently living in the house since last Tuesday? Were they expecting trouble? Did they know at the very start that it was wrong what they did to go in and evict this family, two bachelor brothers and their sister? Now we're hearing since that uh, one of the brothers and one of the, and the sister have moved back into the house. Now I saw the scenes on the TV last night from the house. I mean obviously when the group went in to remove the eight security guards they broke in the front door, there was windows uh, smashed and I was just thinking they can't live in a house like that so I'm, I'm assuming that somebody locally is going to come along today and make the house secure for them in at least getting glass back into the windows and fixing the front door but they seem by listening to the family friend who spoke to the media yesterday asking the media to back off and leave them alone they seem like a very quiet family and a rural family a typical country family that we would all know that would be living you know here locally in, in Cork and they're not used to having that kind of limelight shoved upon them and they just want to be left alone. They want to get on with their own lives and I suppose they want to try in some somehow get back into negotiations with the bank and get mediation going, get you know, get something going so that this family can live out the rest of their days. I mean they're I think they're a fourth generation to have lived in that house and on that land. That you know that land has been in their family for so long and I was reading some reports uh, yesterday where you know they have they are in debt and they will be the first to say it and they sold off parcels of land well it's one brother owns the owns the property and his brother and sister live with them but they sold he sold land to try to pay off some of the debt so it's not that they haven't been trying they have been but they've you know they've got themselves into this awful situation and dragging two men out of a house that has been in their family for four generations just the whole thing uh, is just wrong 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 and as Tom said it's right sickening to see and even worse to see just before Christmas so we're going to be discussing it on on the programme and trying to see if we can toss up and talk around what are the possible solutions we're not going to get banks to just write off all of these debts because of course the argument being if they start writing off debts then everyone's going to jump on the bandwagon and thinking oh, if they've got their debt written off I'll just stop paying and the bank might write my debt off as well but there has to be some kind of a solution to it so we're going to look at that and we welcome uh, continue to welcome your, your thoughts and comments uh, on it it is a week while, while it's a week on from um, the the eviction of that family in Roscommon. It's also exactly a week on from the collapse of a building on Oliver Plunkett Street in Bandon. We're going to catch up with the local councillor to find out what is happening, what is happening to make the building secure and, and I take it the adjacent buildings secure as well and what impact is it having on the town of Abandon how to solve the problem of delayed discharges we've been talking about delayed uh, discharges quite a lot uh, this year and that awful word that I know age action hate whenever it's mentioned the word that's uh, often used bed blockers and actually when you see reports in the papers 
about delayed discharges they will inevitably include in the article the word bed blockers but the Minister with Responsibility for Older People Jim Daly he is trying to put a plan in place to stop delayed discharges. What do we need to put in place so that when a patient, and they are mainly older people who are the numbers that are made up of delayed discharges, when they are ready to leave hospital, when the consultants and the doctors say there is no more we can do for you, it's time for you to go home. But that person can't go home and live independently. So they either need a home care package or they need step down facility or they need to go permanently into a nursing home. What do we need to put in place to make sure that whatever needs to be put in place for those people will be there so it frees up the bed and then that be- acute bed becomes available for somebody who needs it somebody maybe that will take off a waiting list or somebody that's lying downstairs on a trolley in the accident and emergency department so we're going to be t- talking with Jim Daly who joins us live in studio in the second hour of the uh, programme and then there is a community Christmas dinner event that is happening in Dunmanway there's a huge amount of tension goes on to the Christmas Day event and rightly so that happens at Cork Penny Dinners every, every year and it's a wonderful, wonderful event and it's lovely to know that people in Cork City that are able to make their way into the, um, the kitchens of Cork Penny Dinners that they'll get a lovely, warm, traditional Christmas dinner served to them and, and it's lovely to think for people in need in the city that 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 service is there for them and now we're discovering that the same has been done in Dunmanway so we're going to give a bit of publicity to the group that are involved there are a group of volunteers who have come together and to say a big thank you to all of the businesses that have supported them and made it possible that they're able to provide Christmas dinner on Christmas Day in uh, Dunmanway and Joe Heffernan will be joining us his last slot for the year and uh, and what we always do on the last slot is we talk about bereavement at Christmas and people perhaps who've been recently bereaved, people that have been bereaved during 2018 and facing that first Christmas without their loved one. Now uh, it also can be hard for people that are facing their second Christmas without a loved one, their third, fourth and fifth Christmas without a loved one. Sometimes people when it comes to bereavement will always struggle and will always find Christmas hard without the loved one at the table and there will be so many Christmas tables this year where there will be an empty seat where there will be one less uh, person and we think of all of those uh, people this year and Joe Heffernan offering tips and advice for the bereaved. I've often said it and I know Joe will back me up there's no right or wrong way to do grieving. You really have to do what sits with you and what you feel comfortable with. So Joe will have uh, words of advice if you are struggling and absolutely dreading this day next week and we'll speak with Joe in the final hour of the programme. And um, let me stay on the Christmas theme for a while because we have been contacted by a mother who has, when you hear the email, you'll know, has asked us not to please call out her her name because uh, she's a bit embarrassed about the whole situation and she certainly doesn't want to cause any further embarrassment for her children. And it's, hi Patricia, I am really struggling this year financially. I'm just about managing to cover all the costs to make our festive season a good one as it can possibly be. But what I really don't have is any spare cash to buy my three children, my three children's teachers' 
presents this year. All of them, by the way, are in primary school. I tried to buy some ornaments in a discount store last Saturday, but my older children were horrified and said they looked too mean and that the other pupils would be spending between €10 and €20 on their gift each for a teacher. Is this true? Are some families spending between 10 and 20 euro on a gift for their teacher? I certainly could not afford to spend 60 euro on presents for three teachers. Would you please ask other families living on low income like myself how they are managing to get around what is an annual problem? I'm actually thinking of not sending my children to school on the last day of term to save their embarrassment of not having an expensive gift for teacher. Would that be the right or the wrong thing to do? Please don't call out my name as many of my neighbours would not even realise just how tough things are for us this year. A very stressed out mother. P.S. I always in the past sent presents in with my children and I think that's what's adding to my dilemma this year. Could you ask other mothers and and fathers how they're getting around this? This is the this is an age-old problem. It, it, well, it's not an age-old problem. It's a problem that's probably come up in the last mm, 10, 15 years. I'm trying to think when uh, did I used to, when, when my son was in primary school, and it's only a primary school, I don't think it happens in secondary school, did I ever send presents in for, teacher, for the teachers? God, I, I don't, I actually don't think I did. When Marcia, my daughter, in going to a special uh, needs school, much smaller school, Yes, I did. I, I did it every year, but it was by way of a, a thank you to everybody that was involved with her and had done so much work and there would be more than teachers. There was SNAs uh, involved and, and I always thought it was just a way of saying thank you. I, I so much appreciated the work that they were doing for her. But this problem of, I, certainly in the downturn when we had the the bust I remember getting in similar emails and similar letters in from parents who were very stressed about the fact that there was a pressure on from the children. It was the children wanted to go into school on the last day with a present for the teacher. And of course, if other children got in in the last few days with a bigger present or what was perceived as a bigger present, then more pressure became on the family and low-income families and families where, you know, parents might have been out of work and they really, really struggled. Now, I also remember when we raised this on the programme a number of years ago, hearing from schools who actually sent home letters with all of their pupils saying, actually telling the parents on behalf of the teachers, we do not want presents this Christmas. Please don't send in any presents if the child wants to make a homemade Christmas card. That would be lovely and teachers would love that. I have also over the years heard from charity shops who say they do very well out of teachers after Christmas teachers will turn up with a load of I mean if you have a class of 30 pupils and 30 pupils decide to bring in individual gifts some of them might be usable and some of them you might enjoy for example I've heard of teachers getting bottles of wine and if wine is your thing you'll probably enjoy a glass of wine thanks to Tommy down the back row whose mammy bought a nice bottle of wine uh, for you but I suppose there's only so many ornaments that you can put into your glass cabinet or so many baubles you can hang on your uh, Christmas tree so many boxes of chocolates would you eat all the chocolates you receive because I take it they're kind of the typical are they the kind of the typical presents you would buy for teachers anyway we'll call it out to see and I would be interested to see have any schools made a decision and sent a letter home telling the parents 
that the teachers don't want any gifts. Now, I'd love to hear from teachers, but they're all, we're still in term time, so they will all be at school. But maybe there's some teachers out on mat leave or maybe some retired uh, teachers or teachers out on sick leave who will be able to tell us, do you like receiving all of the gifts? Do you think it is a nice thing? You know, would you like to see the, if you call it a tradition, would you like to see it continue? And would you be aware of the families who literally are struggling and can't afford, literally cannot afford to as what's happening here. This is somebody who would love to send in a present, has done it in the past when there was money available, but finds themselves this year uh, just simply struggling. 1850-333-103. And a reminder that we will have another set of Nathan Carter tickets to give away on the programme today. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back now. We're starting gigging in England this week, coming. I'm going back to, to do a hometown gig. Aha, where's the hometown gig? Hold off. We'll play that piece again with the word bleeped out and you've got to work out what is the missing word for your chance to win a pair of Nathan Carter tickets live at the Marquee on Friday the 14th of uh, June. And I can officially tell you that tickets went on sale at nine o'clock this morning. You can check it all out at uh, Ticketmasters. Ticketmaster.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. A lot of surface water, and there's a lot of water running off fields. There was a lot of water, uh, a lot of rain yesterday afternoon into the evening time and overnight as well. So be careful when you're out and about driving. Now, ICSA Rural Development Chairman Seamus Sherlock has called on financial institutions and vulture funds to cease the draconian act of forced evictions. And Seamus Sherlock uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Seamus. Good morning, Patricia. Seamus, are you fearful that we will see a lot more? scenes of eviction that we witnessed in Roscommon and thanks to mobile phones all of us got to see the film footage are you fearful we'll see more of that in the coming months? Unfortunately Patricia I have to say I feared for the last number of months that something like this was going to happen due to the fact that there were so many people in financial debt so many people trying to deal with vulture funds I still believe it has to be stopped it has to be stopped now and I think the best way to stop it is mediation not confrontation and I urge financial institutions, if they're having difficulty with a lender, put in a mediator. Because, Patricia, one of the main problems is there's a stigma in Ireland, and we all know this, that if you're in financial debt, you're some kind of a loser or, a, you know, you're a defaulter. We have to lift that stigma. We're in 2018, heading into 2019. We need to move away from that stigma so that people will come forward and say, look, I need help. I can't pay my bills. And while no one condones violence, can you understand the local reaction to the eviction? Yes, I was up there yesterday. Now, I didn't visit the farm. The farm was cordoned off, but I was in the area talking to locals and that. And people were absolutely appalled at what the scene happened on Tuesday. We're talking about human beings here now, Patricia. Excuse me. We're talking about human beings being dragged by the hair, by the ears, thumped on the ground, thrown on the ground, you wouldn't do it to an animal, nor should anyone do it to any living being. And people were absolutely appalled. I mean, I remember going to school, Patricia, and we all went to school and we all remember the history books talking about the evictions in Ireland in yeah. the 1800s. Did any of us really believe we'd see it in 2018, a replication of that? 
Yeah, it ver- I, and I know yesterday when we spoke about it, it evoked, like people were talking about that and it, it evoked memories of exactly what you're talking about, the famine. And seemingly in the Strokestown area, there had been 3,000 evictions over a 20-year yeah. period in yeah. the 1800s. So it's, it's almost like it's in, it's in their DNA. Yes, and I mean, to be honest with you, and, and many of your listeners are farmers, and if a farmer treated an animal the way those poor devil human beings were treated, we would, and rightly so, we would actually be brought up for it by the Department of Agriculture and by the animal rights, and rightly so. No human being's dignity should be ripped from them the way those treat people. I don't care how much money they owed. If they owed money, fair enough, they have to pay it. Things will have to be done, you know, to recruit the money. But that was not the way to do it. You know, to, to send in a large bunch of people dressed in black with cross dogs to terrorise three middle-aged people. I won't say they're elderly people, they're only in their 50s. Yeah, I, actually, I, I must clarify that as well, because yesterday we were describing them as elderly people. No. Two, two are in their 50s and one is yeah. in their early 60s. But no one deserves that. You wouldn't wish that. I, I, I tell you something, Patricia, it takes a lot to shock me, but I was physically sick looking at these videos because I, my heart went out to those individuals. They must have thought they were, you know, they must have been scared out of their wits. Absolutely. I don't think the trauma will leave them for many, many years. The trauma of what they experienced that day. You know, you couldn't wish it on your worst enemy. And I have to say, you know, a lot of people are talking about what money they owe, what money they didn't owe. People owe money, yes. But we have to deal with them sympathetically and try to do our best. And mediation is the way to do that. We have a mantra in ICSA, mediation, not confrontation. And I firmly believe, Patricia, and I've said this for a while, before a bank should be allowed to send in a sheriff and an eviction order, a mediator should be put in place. They should be made by law, send in a mediator to the family and see. I've done it many times myself, actually. Went into families willingly for ICSA and just dealt with the family. And the family come around and they start acknowledging maybe that they owe the money. They might be a bit elderly. They mightn't really understand how bad things are. And, you know, there'll be pain on both sides. The farmer might have to sell a field or two. But the bank might have to take a cut in the money. But look, at we would be solving the problem with dignity. We do not want to see our people treated like they were on Tuesday. I also think, uh, you know, and you're right, there are, there are some newspaper reports on the, on the amount of money that this uh, gentleman owes. But a lot of that is interest. Yes. And, and, and I, I really think that needs to be looked at. What, what could have started out, and, and this is for, not just for this family, this is for all families, yeah. what could start out as a reasonable size amount was borrowed. Suddenly it's almost tripled because of all the interest that's been put up yes, on top of it. and penalties. Yeah. And, I'm, and I have to be honest with you, our own good revenue commissioners are major players in this kind of behaviour as well. I, I'm dealing with lots of families who owe money to the revenue. And with a blink of an eye, this bill has doubled and tripled. Aye, well, they and slap we, huge penalties. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. the banks are doing the same. And unfortunately, Patricia, I have to be honest, so are the vulture funds. The vulture fund will buy your loan off the bank at a fraction of what you owe, but yet they expect you to pay 100% of the loan with costs and interest. And in all due respect, if you could do that, wouldn't you have given it to the bank in the first place? I mean, we have to get realistic here. They cannot be selling off loans at maybe 20%, 25%, and then expecting the homeowner to pay 100% plus costs, plus interest. It's just never going to work. And I think that's where mediation comes into yeah. place. Mediation. Listen, I'm, I do never want again, or I don't want anyone's children to witness what we witnessed on Tuesday. That's what 
three books. And this family, I, I saw a family friend speaking on the news last night. I mean, I feel so sorry for them in that they've come under the glare of the media spotlight and they seem like very quiet, mm. country, shy people who, mm. you know, who don't want this uh, kind of publicity. And they've been, this family, the land in this house has been, I think it's four generations. Yes. Have, yes. have lived uh, on, on the land. It's just, I mean, that just adds to it. You know, this well, is... Well, it does, Patricia, because I'm dealing, as you know well, I deal with a lot of farmers who are second and third generation, even in your own county, there where the radio station is in Cork. And the biggest fear a lot of these lads have are, is that they're going to be the one to break the link, that's going to lose the land. And when I have fellas ringing me at night saying, look at Seamus, I'm going to be remembered as a failure. There is no such thing. And could I say to your listeners, and many of your listeners today will be in financial debt, believe it or not, please stop thinking you're a failure. You are not a failure. You are failed by the system. And the system in farming at the moment is very hard to make a living, especially in farming, small businesses, homeowners. Everybody is struggling, Patricia. But we need to show empathy here. We need to keep people in their homes, not chucking them out. And if the banks were forced to send in a mediator, I can assure you that 99% of these problems would be solved amicably. The farmer might sell a field or two, fair enough but he'd keep the home, the farmyard, and keep his dignity. And it seems this, this Mr. McGann, this, the, the family in question here, a number of years ago, he did sell off 65 acres. And, yeah. and, and, you know, he's been, so it does look like the guy is trying and has oh, tried. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, Patricia, I have to go back to this. We need rural Ireland and we need your listeners to understand there is still a huge stigma there. With, believe me, I know. There is a big stigma there with being classed as a loser if you owe money or you know and a lot of people are saying to me Seamus I'm petrified the neighbours will find out mm. I can't pay my bank debt we need to lift that stigma because human health mental health unfortunately Patricia I even know myself of farmers that took their own lives because they couldn't bear the stigma and I don't want to see any more that we need our people to be alive we need families need their parents they need their father especially on the farm we do not want to have men taking the wrong choice because of stigma we need people to say, look, you're in bother, let's help you get out of it. Instead of criticising them, offer a handout. I mediate for people all the time. I do it voluntary, as you well know, part of the ICSA. And people, all they need is someone to reach out to them. And believe me, Patricia, 99% of these cases can be resolved if both sides give a little. But unfortunately, and I have to say this, the vulture funds are coming down the road and they have no empathy whatsoever. Returns on their investment is all they talk about numbers. They never talk about families. They never talk about how long the business was in the family name. They have no interest. You're a number on a file. That's, yes, that's and all, they're that's talking about are. returns. They but can I, can I say, Seamus, if, if that land and house in Roscommon went up for sale, who would, who would actually Nobody buy it? Nobody would buy it. Yeah. And I have to say, as a farmer myself, and I've always said this, I, I ask people never, ever even to consider buying a distressed property. There's enough property out there that's been willingly sold by people who want to retire or whatever. There was never luck and there never will be luck in anyone buying a distressed property. And I can guarantee you that farm will rot there before anyone will ever buy it. Jim, because um, nobody will be part of it. Jim, one of our listeners, says, was, Sher- was Seamus Sherlock, the gentleman from Drum Collar, who was in trouble with the banks and had to barricade himself yes. into the house? Yes. And he finally got it. It's one and the same. It is one. That's when we first started talking to Seamus. Okay. Uh, so you've been there, Donna bought the T-shirt. You know what that pressure is like, Seamus. It's unbelievable, Patricia. I suppose it's over now five years, but I'll never recover from it. Um, it'll take me the rest of my life and I hope I have a life to take me the rest of my life I still have nightmares about it 
the pressure was horrendous. Um, the stigma of owing money was probably one of the major problems. The, the thinking that your neighbours would think you're a loser or whatever. Believe me, I know. And people are now ringing me. I had a man the other night from the county of Cork rang me at 12 o'clock, crying his eyes out. He didn't want to be classed a loser in his community. He's not a loser. I went down to meet the man. He's a lovely man. He just got a small bit overstretched. And with our help, we will get him back on track. And that's the main thing. That's the message I want to get out today. There is no losers. There is no winners in this. But if we all work together, Patricia, we need to save lives. And we never, ever want to see what we've seen again last Tuesday. I never want to see that in my lifetime again. OK, well done. You're doing great work. Listen, happy Christmas to you, Seamus. Same to you, Patricia. And, uh, and uh, thanks a million for joining us. Thank you. Take Good care. morning bye to bye. you. Bye-bye. 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 He's a great guy. That's the ICSA, Rural Development Chairman, uh, Seamus uh, Sherlock. Um, and a man who, as he said, has been there. He's, he's been through it. He knows what it was like to have the vulture funds down on uh, top of him. Uh, 1850 John Paul, taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Flora Gelga. RC103. Tarubi Walsh, Er Grinna Denemark, is far in Erin, August today. It's Minnick of Vienshe, Er Clarica Sport, Egg Er on Delavish. It's a Prive Markup, Don Trainali Willie Mullins. Vuig she brish is gavila rossi couple. Vuig she grada markuk crave na hearing ga or dig. But a an markuk tussig evela cheltenum ain or dig either gavila sakahar agus gavila sashak dig. Gertiuk a eram kade la den vela cheltenum gavila sak dig agus vi er tark amak asan vela. Rugic ruby walch a gunte kildara savlin ne dig shak donate. Hussig she eg markic kapel eg shakt nina dish. Buffelador va e freshen agus vug she bone ille erin free octeg lena manskull in e deg no cache. Toshe posta le Gillian agus kahur in in again. Le blur grilga it's misha jack erosta or grilskull hamas davish mala. And the eviction story out of Roscommon, uh, Jim says, are the government partially to blame for telling farmers to expand with the milk quotas going? A lot of farmers borrowed money from the banks then to buy extra stock and build more farm buildings, etc. And some are in debt uh, because of that as a, a result. And Jim says, fair play to Seamus for the work he's now doing, helping other farmers and remembering he had a sign at the end of the passage into his home and farm and a timber shed where they kept watch out for the bailiffs. I remember that and they had bales across the entrance that the children, his children had to climb over in order to get in and out of uh, school and there was a poster with a number of days that he stuck it out until he finally got it uh, sorted, says Jim. So Jim very much remembering Seamus Sherlock's uh, story. 1850 Now moving on, we are now just one week away from Christmas Day and the decorations are up both outside and inside the house. But how safe are the Christmas lights that you're using this year? With advice 
on electrical safety this Christmas. I'm joined by Arthur Byrne, who is Public Safety Manager with the ESB Networks. Good morning to you, Arthur. Good morning. And Good morning. Uh, you, you are welcome to the programme. Now, decorating the outside of our house, uh, it's really, it's a new phenomenon, hasn't it? It's really become popular in recent years. It is, and every every street and every road you drive around the countryside now, you see uh, you see fantastic displays of colour and, and magical kind of lighting and stuff, which is fantastic for Christmas. But I suppose like everything to do with electricity, we have to be careful and, and recognise that electricity can be dangerous unless you have good habits and practice, I suppose, in some ways, good, good technical, have technical knowledge and, I suppose, particularly in, in outdoor environments and sometimes there's equipment being sold that's suitable for indoor and some of it is, is not suitable for outdoor and you have to make sure that you're you're buying the proper equipment and if you're using extension leads out through the window or something to power your outdoor displays, that just to be careful that they are fit for the purpose that you want them for, particularly given you know the type of weather that we have, the wind and the rain, which means your electrical equipment has to be fully protected and covered at all times. Okay, so talk talk us through then the lighting of the outside of the house. What are the main things you need to keep so, in so mind? The, the main things is that firstly that the, the, the light equipment itself, there, so the, the lighting, the LED lighting or the illumination displays that you have, uh, all the figure, figurines and figures, that they are all, if you like, connected properly and that the connection point is is suitable for outdoor use and people in farming environments will be very familiar with ratings called IP ratings which really is just a, a, a better fitting for outdoor use so if you buy an extension lead in any of the shops for example that's fit for outdoor use you'll see it just has a, a more robust kind of plastic covering many of them have a cover that you fold back down on top of the plug top so when you plug in the power washer or in this case if you like the, the extension lead for the lighting it just sits down over the cover and keeps it intact and uh, dry really is is one of the kind of the key requirements. So the first thing is to make sure that they're rated, they're properly rated for outdoor use. And often, when people say equipment is rated for indoor and outdoor use, you know it's hard to square that circle. You know because you know something that's good for indoor, it's not likely to be good for outdoor. So I think yeah, because you will, you will, yeah, you will see that on lights suitable for indoor and outdoor yeah. use. So we, and, would and that I, make would that make you question it? It would make me question, okay. and, I, and I, if, if, if when I'm buying those things, I'm, I'm looking for some sort of indication that it has an IP rating on the uh, for the equipment outside, and then looking at if like the terminal point going into the different bulbs and and that the wiring. Is it has a heavier covering on it, and that the connection then that you're at the, at the end of the light that you're going to attach that's attached to the plug, and sometimes a little transformer there because they're low voltage, which does make them very much safer now than if you like the old mains equipment lighting because it is extra low voltage. So in that sense, it's not as significant as before. But you don't really want water and if you like particularly moisture and dampness getting into fittings, uh, and you'd look at that and say, well, is, if if it's if it's out door it should be that little bit more robust and I think you know it's like it's like the difference between wearing you know a light coat and a heavy coat that's yeah. the way I, maybe I describe it yeah yeah and then for the what you need to keep in mind when it comes to inside I mean the fairy lights that we all put the on, on our Christmas tree again I suppose like they're so sophisticated now and they're so well made in most cases that a quick visual examination you know and when they're new they're, they're 
they're fine. You know the way I suppose the issue oftentimes is when you're plugging in things often and plugging them out and they're folded up in the attic and they're brought down and the wires are wrapped around each other and you know if you're not careful unwinding the lights and sometimes it can be very frustrating to unwind lights um, you know that you don't damage any of the wiring particularly and it's, it's hard enough to do that now but at the same time it does happen and particularly I'd even say now given that if you like essentially all the lights are up now at this point it's just to have a quick look at if you like the, the plug top itself, that it's not in any way when you so when you're plugging that in or plugging it out, that you just check that the the wires going into the bottom of the plug there, that there's none of it bare uh, or damaged in any way or pinched in any way, and that there's no discoloration on the plug top, um, and they are little telltale signs. And in most cases, there's no particular issue, but I suppose it's like everything. You know, if you if you check all the time, well then you're you're doing the very best you can to keep your own installation safe and. I suppose even coming back to the outdoor one, you know, having a bit of protection even guards against something happening. Uh, and the protection device is what we call an RCD. It's a residual current device and it's a trip switch. And like it's in all our homes and it protects your your installation, particularly a kettle, which maybe might subject, be subject to lime or a hair dryer that gets damaged or a heater. Anything that's kind of in use all the time where you're plugging it in and plugging it out. Um, the device that everybody has in their home typically is what they call an RCD and that will trip out when anything, any any fault develops and for outdoor lighting particularly just make sure that you buy a little portable RCD and plug that into the socket because that will give you that extra bit of protection That's good advice And, and if I could say you know, even the main RCD in everybody's fuse board, which sometimes people have old fuses, but most modern electrical boards now that you have maybe in your kitchen or sometimes it's over the back door, um, there are MCB little switches that you flick up and down. And there's one bigger uh, switch, which is called an RCD, and it has a little test button on it. And when I've investigated accidents, that's where the RCD device hasn't worked. The reason it hasn't worked, it's like, it's like, Anything that's not used often, then sometimes it doesn't it doesn't open or, or operate when it's needed to. So the recommended advice is to is to test that switch by pushing a little test button, and that simulates a fault inside in the switch. It's very safe, and it causes the switch to operate. And that, if you like, frees up the contact so that it's not stuck in position. So oh, that's ever... and what would you do that? What a couple of times a year? Yeah, we, well, the minimum recommendation, and we used to have this advice before, so when the clocks change, because that might mm. remind people. But, uh, but uh, any time is a good time. And, and I'd even say to your listeners, maybe today and out this evening, or even before, you know, before the dark comes, because you will lose power to your sockets, not to your lights, but to your sockets. You know, to do it, uh, do it today, push that little blue test button, the switch will flick down, simply flick it back up, uh, and you'll have done yourself, uh, you know, a very simple but very important kind of safety. That's good, because it's a little bit like when we're, when we're encouraging people to test their smoke alarms. It's, it's, Indeed, it's, 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 it's on the, the, the same line as that. And I'm assuming, Arthur, your advice is to switch all lights off at night. Always, and I know that's, you know, you could be accused of being a Christmas <laughs> Grinch and all of that, but really it's good advice. And uh, with the modern sockets now, you don't even have to plug them out. You know, the way you can just flick off the switch. And it's just good practice when you're leaving the house uh, to go somewhere to the shops or something like that or, or go especially at night time and, and even operating you know different things electrical equipment the advice is really not to operate them or leave them switched on overnight because not saying anything will happen but if something were to happen at least you're in you're in the position to intervene 
have a, a colleague of mine and he, he he always had a good habit of never operating, putting on the dishwasher uh, at night, but he had it on this night at half ten. He heard this little bang, he was inside reading the paper, watching TV, and he was able to intervene because there had been a little bit of a, an incident and he was able to be there to deal with it. And imagine what would have Going happened if that had happened at 2 o'clock in the morning when you were asleep in bed or whatever. So that's oh, just a practical doesn't... example of what can happen. It doesn't often happen, but the safe way to do it is to make sure if like all appliances are switched off when you don't need them. And the same advice would apply if you're ever fixing an appliance and normally you should get a competent registered electrical contractor to do any of that repair unless you're competent yourself to do it. Is always switch out, plug out uh, an electrical appliance. So if the toaster gets faulty or whatever, make sure you plug it out first and, and then it's safe electrically, you know, the way. And, and that's the advice. And I suppose the other piece of advice I'd give to your listeners is at this time of year with storms and stuff, in terms of my main brief is to make sure that people are aware of never to go near uh, father our own electricity wires that are, if you like, outdoors running in poles, sitting in, in towns, underground cables. If you ever see a fallen wire, always assume it's live and never, ever go near it. And we have a dedicated emergency number, which is 24-7. And everybody that knows ESB networks knows about the yellow van and people driving around. And we're working 24-7, including Christmas Day, if need be. And I suppose that number is a very important number to have to hand if you do see see anything. Keep your distance, keep everybody else away and ring that number 1-850-372-999. 372-999-1850. And you've, you've had a busy, you were busy the weekend with Storm Deirdre. And um, we, we were very stormy yesterday. It was, and, and like where, where I live in Kilkenny now, it was very blustery last night and um, like parts of Carlow and Wicklow now up here have been affected. Yeah, it's like sort of different parts of the country get hit at different times, no, don't they, with the different directions of the winds and stuff like that. And and uh, we have been busy, but again, we're we're, we're expert in, in dealing with those situations. And what we, I suppose, love to get is the phone calls and people seeing something and ringing us straight away because we can even disconnect the electricity supplies remotely if we have enough of information about where exactly it is. So some people talk to me and say, well, sure, there's no need for me to ring because somebody else is ringing. It's always, I suppose, good to pick up the phone uh, and ring that number and let us know even if it's repeating what somebody else might have done you don't know you could be doing a measurable yeah. service to your don't assume that somebody else has done, has done it because if Absolutely. we all do that nobody makes the call listen um, Arthur we hope you have a very quiet Christmas this year and that your crews won't need to be out but uh, thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us today indeed and happy Christmas ha- to everybody many happy returns bye bye that is uh, Arthur Byrne who is the Public Safety Manager with the ESB Networks Court Today with Bre- Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, Ken Perrett here. As the evenings get shorter and the weather gets colder, C103 would like to encourage you to make sure your vehicle is winter ready. Make sure to get your tyres, brakes and oil levels checked. Ensure that all your lights are working and if not, get them replaced immediately. And always have a high-vis vest, a torch and a working mobile phone or charger in your car in case of a breakdown. This winter, be safe on the roads and for the latest traffic updates and information, stay listening to C103. Our apologies, particularly after our interview with uh, Seamus on the eviction in Roscommon. Phone lines were 
extremely busy so apologies if we didn't get to all of your calls as always you can text or WhatsApp us and request a call back and when the lines get a little bit quieter John Paul is able to call you back 0862 103 103 but apologies to if we missed any of your calls we are getting calls about electricity outage in Kinsale um, the ESB networks are aware of it they're working on it and they're hoping to have it restored later this afternoon ok that was because of the storms yesterday there's been a number of outages so they are working flat out I'm told Kinsale they should be back at about 2 o'clock uh, today and I'm backed up on ad breaks my apologies on that I need to take another ad break as we head to news at 11 o'clock uh, we'll play you the Nathan Carter uh, clip again in the next hour you've got to work out what the missing word uh, is we also will take a look at some of your calls and comments a lot of comments coming in on the teachers and should teachers should pupils bring in presents for teachers there's also um, some commentary coming in on the eviction in Roscommon and how to just to solve the problem of delayed discharges we will be joined in studio by the Minister for Older People Jim Daly all coming up in the next hour Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Nathan Carter now we're not looking for you to call or text us until the next hour we're just playing the clip so that you can work out what the missing word from Nathan's sentence is. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back now. We're starting gigging in England this week, coming. I'm going back to, to do a hometown gig. I think it's an easy one at today. I thought yesterday's was a tad hard, but today's certainly is easier. Nathan Carter playing live at the Marquee Friday the 14th of June. And we have the first of those tickets to give away. We gave away the very first set yesterday. Tickets now on sale, by the way, asking from nine o'clock this morning. Ticketmaster.ie and we'll let you know how you can enter and hopefully win a pair of tickets today. And we have tickets to give away every day this week thanks to Aiken Promotions. Let me go to your calls on the electricity outages, by the way, somebody says, can never understand why they don't put all of the electricity power lines underground and we wouldn't have the situation we have every single time there's a storm brewing, lines are down. I, well, I think it's to do with cost, isn't it? It costs a huge amount of money to put all of our lines, uh, all of our electricity lines underground. Absolutely, it would be the way to do it, but it was just there is a cost implication. Okay. And some of the issues that we addressed in the last hour. Let me go to the eviction and what happened in Roscommon and our chat with Seamus Sherlock of the ICSA and his his plea to people listening to us who are in financial difficulty to reach out and get the help uh, that you need. A lot of people commenting still on this eviction. Dan and Bannon Hasek says, Seamus Sherlock on your programme, well done. He spoke the truth on what is happening uh, and in particular what has happened in Strokestown. It is awful to think that this type of eviction still continues. Yeah, it's got all the echoes, doesn't it, of the famine era evictions and I think that's what's that's what brings up the emotion in people and to me and I wouldn't be condoning violence but that's why I can understand I have an understanding of the retaliation and what happens subsequent to the eviction particularly when you look at the area of Strokestown in Roscommon it was one of the area that really was devastated during the famine and there was 3,000 evictions in a 20 year period just in that Strokestown area so you can understand how it would bring up all the echoes of the famine era when what happened last Tuesday happened uh, there Martin in Kinsale 
uh, wants to know who is licensing these banks surely with every licence that every bank has to have a licence they cannot treat customers like this have the central bank not got a say in this but I think therein lies the problem it's vulture funds and it seems to be it seems to be a very different ball game dealing with the vulture fund people thought it was difficult dealing with banks but by God it's a different kettle of fish when a vulture fund takes over Anthony and Charleville says the problem is we bailed out a lot of those banks a lot of a lot more new banking operators are now operating in Ireland and they deal with people in a very different uh, way, particularly those that can't pay back a mortgage or a loan. It is simply not fair. And again, again, it's like banks are not learning any lessons. Some of your texts in on uh, this Hi, uh, Patricia. I was surprised to hear Leo Varadkar take so long to comment on the eviction in Roscommon. It seems intimidating all the security vans and the security dogs that then there was a show of strength. I think the Taoiseach should at least stand up and speak for the family. They must have been terrified when that eviction happened and the heavy gang arrived in this day last uh, week. Uh, also on this what else is on this Hi Patricia violence cannot be condoned but Leo Varadkar was very quick to condone the violence i.e. the vigilante gang who went in and got the security gang out but not a word about the banks handing over and selling off the debts to vulture funds banks that we and our children and grandchildren will be paying back forever Did I also hear the mother of that little boy from North Cork who got all the birthday cards in August on Ray Darcy yesterday saying her mortgage has been sold to a vulture fund. She's under so much pressure. Uh, She doesn't need any more. There's a total lack of humanity in this country now and our country have just simply lost touch with rural Ireland. We need a revolution, says a uh, texter. 1850-333-103. That's just a sample of some of the calls coming in on the eviction. Now, also getting a lot of commentary in on teachers and presents for teachers in the lead up to Christmas and this was kicked off by one of our mums who is stressed out mother is how she described herself and she's under pressure she's been putting away the bit you know every week and trying to balance the books and sort of squirrelling away money so that you know with the festive season coming she just about has enough so that everybody in the family is going to have a nice uh, little Christmas but then suddenly she realises presents for the teacher she tried to buy some you know small little ornaments inside in a discount store but the the, the older children like the the children 5th and 6th class uh, felt they were too mean looking they wanted more expensive presents citing that the other children in the class are spending between 10 and 20 euro on a present and the children would be embarrassed bringing in the smaller gifts and uh, she really doesn't know what to do she's and I just think it's quite sad to hear her say in her email she's actually thinking of not sending her children into school on the last day of the school term because traditionally it's the last day that a lot of the presents now I know some of the teachers are starting to receive presents across this week but generally speaking the last day a lot of the pupils will bring in the presents so she's thinking of giving her three children a day off school early to save their embarrassment because they will be going into school without uh, any presents and she wanted to know how were other parents handling this because as she said it seems to be an annual problem and she She's just wondering what she should do or shouldn't do. I think it's a joke, says Jim, for children having to buy presents for their teachers. And I don't t- think the teachers would actually expect them. 
It didn't happen in my day, says Jim. It's putting extra pressure on hard-pressed parents, uh, especially like your own listener has described. It is simply wrong. Mary in Bishopstown, what they do in our local school, all of the children bring in five euro and that's it. And all of that goes to the teacher. OK, so it's like a collection for the teacher. So if you have 20 in the class, five euro up, oh, he or she will go he or she the teacher will get 100 euro then from the class uh, um, how would people feel about that where you and who arranges for does a note go home saying please send in 5 euro we're pu- putting it all together and that's what your teacher's getting at a Christmas present I wonder how people would feel about that because surely the one thing at the moment with the presents it's an individual thing if you want to do it you give it but if the school is actually asking for Five euro. I mean, surely that can't be the school is doing that. 1850 Would you agree or disagree with that? Well, there's a collection made of five euro to give the teacher or buy the teacher a Christmas present. Julian Fromoy says, listen, you've got to remember something here. This is not the teachers putting pressure on financially stressed families. It's other parents. It's the other parents are putting the expectations on other parents. The teachers are very happy with a homemade gift, but it's the parents trying to outdo themselves at the school gate. That's where all the problems start in school. So please uh, let nobody blame the teachers. And in fairness, I don't think anybody has blamed the teachers. Uh, Mary Marrow says many teachers don't want the presents or don't need them. Teacher would be very happy with a homemade Christmas uh, card. And maybe that's the route your stressed out mother should go down. Some of your texts in teachers should have a no presents policy, says this uh, texture. And maybe contributions to it, the poor box anonymously could be done instead. Parents seek favour for their children too with lavish gifts. And that has always been the case. There's always been the teacher's pet situation in classrooms based on who you are scenario. Ask any children Who's the teacher's pet? And they won't be long in telling you. Teachers provide a service that they're already well paid for. And even when they're off, it's their duty and job to carry that out for all of the children. It's not personal. It should be kept to being a formal relationship between child and teacher. Don't muddy the water by trying to buy expensive uh, gifts. Thanks for that. Burr in Cork City, Patricia, and teachers' gifts. I don't think teachers really want all the gifts. I volunteer in a charity shop and these are usually left there and end up getting thrown out as we can't even sell them in the charity shop. They're there for months. I'm sure the teacher would much prefer a handmade card. Uh, Mary says, Patricia, oh my God, I'm listening about that stressed out mother who can't afford a present for her teacher. They have fantastic wages every week. I would put two, one euro, all cash lottery tickets into a cheap card, seal it. The kids won't even know what's in it for the teacher and hand that in. Have a lovely Christmas, says uh, Mary. Many happy returns, uh, Mary. Someone else said it's not the cost of the gift, it's the thought that counts. Give what you can. And that's the way it should be. Well, that's what she tried to do, but her children got embarrassed and said that the the ornaments from the discount store, the pound shop, looked a bit mean. And that's what stopped her buying the, those. Uh, Eileen and Clant, good morning, Patricia. How many teachers at schools actually want these presents? It's a case of keeping up with the Joneses here. 
Uh, okay, so the last on those uh, it is. Okay, mixed bag there. 1850 at 333103. Lines are open. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. And just two jobs on our uh, job spot today. West Cork Breakers. They're looking for an office worker. Experience is essential. And Burnford National School. They're looking for a school cleaner approximately 14 hours per week after school hours. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. Now Minister for State for Mental Health and Older People Jim Daly has been tasked with drawing up a plan to tackle delayed discharges in what are already overcrowded hospitals. Mr Jim Daly joins me in studio this morning in advance of an appointment at the Mallow Primary Healthcare uh, Centre. Good morning to you Jim morning, uh, and, and you are uh, very welcome and actually you're on our, our news you're our top story actually on our news today on this issue of uh, delayed discharges. Firstly, do we have accurate figures on the number of delayed discharges? The short answer, Patricia, right is, is no. Yeah, we don't. We don't have the kind of figures that we need. And that's the problem. As Minister Harris, Simon Harris, asked me to commission a, a report there back uh, in the summertime. So I set up a committee of uh, very talented, committed individuals who work in the front line. And they um, compiled a lot of information for me on this area. But essentially, they gave me back the report in November. And it basically said, look, the information that we can get from the HSE is too patchy. It's not sufficient to make the kind of informed decisions and choices that we need to make about this area. And therefore, it's it's almost guesswork if, if we don't know the... I mean, we, we know we have very accurate trolley figures. We get them every day from the INMO. We need to have the same level of accuracy, don't we, on delayed discharges? I would say more so. It's a lot more important to know uh, the number of people that are in hospital who shouldn't be there for two reasons. One is, if you want to keep people off trolleys, the only way is to have beds free. Uh, and have people moving through the system but we have an obsession and politicians in particular and media and and commentators seem to have an obsession with the number of people on trolleys and consistently talk about that and we record them twice a day the INMO record them the HSC record them but they're only the symptom and there's no point in treating the symptom you know you must treat the cause and the cause is the delayed discharges why people aren't moving freely through the system so I'd be hoping to move the emphasis of of all of our parts commentators ministers practitioners journalists whatever to look more at the area of the latest charges and have a national policy which we don't have which I'm horror really to see that we don't have a national policy in delayed discharges we don't have a clearly defined definition of what is a delayed discharge and we don't have clearly defined pathways to get people out of hospital freely so it's a major issue it's a, a major stumbling block towards a, a, a properly functioning health service. And I think if we can address that, because the Stark, and I know you mentioned this with me before, when I spoke about the most, the least safe place some older vulnerable person can be is actually in hospital when they don't need to be there because of the amount of hospital acquired infections that are out there today. Um, it really isn't the place for people, particularly older people, to be. And I think that's a bit of a cultural shift as well for families. We all imagine that if our loved one is in hospital, they're when safe. 
they're safe that's where they need to be and we kind of relax and we're in no hurry really to bring them out of there even if they're kind of saying you know in some cases so I think there's a cultural bit of work to be done but there's also a piece of work to be done uh, so what Minister Harris has asked me to do in the last couple of weeks is to chair an implementation group a working group of the Department of Health and the HSE to actually address a number of, of um, steps towards freeing up this um, you know delayed discharge and we call it delayed transfers of care as one of the recommendations actually in the report You would never use that awful word bed blockers No I don't like that term and, yeah. I, and I've never used it uh, I've been accused of using it but I actually haven't ever used it or don't intend to no. Yeah and I know age action um, uh, is a, it's, a, it's a word that they particularly find uh, offensive Okay but in your opinion, what are the main reasons for a delayed discharge? It's not all down to that there isn't enough nursing home beds. No, it's not. I mean, in Nursing Home Ireland, we'll tell you there's 500 beds free in private nursing home. They look after 80% of the patients that are in nursing home care in Ireland. And they would tell me that they have 500 empty beds at any one time. There's a number. Of, there's, a, there's a myriad. But they have to be in the right place. Don't they? I mean, if I'm in Bantry and I need a nursing home bed, it's no use to me if there's a bed free in Donegal. No, of course they have to be, but within reason. I mean, people have a bit of a block as well. For example, in Clonakilty, we have transitional care, and one of the issues that was flagged at the beginning with me was people said, "Look, Minister, they won't be that anxious to come from the city down to Clonakilty. They will see that as." And I would say, "But there's great care in Clonakilty." But I recently met with a family member from Inishannon, who's uh, you know. Um, partner had been our husband had been down in Clonakilty they said the care was superb absolutely superb and you know there was no geographical boundary there so I think we might have to that's a bit of cultural work again where people will have to accept that look if there's a transitional care bed for you from CUH it may be in Mallow or it may be in Clonakilty it might be on your doorstep but you, it may not be on your doorstep but you'll have to travel for that care I mean people in West Cork are travelling all the time for care absolutely. up to the city and absolutely. we don't make any complaints about all, it and that's all over the county that happens and all yeah. over the county so yeah. I think people around the city may have to you know get used of travelling for a transitional care bed you cannot justify taking up an acute care bed that costs in the region of 7,000 euro a week uh, whereas a bed in a transitional care like a community hospital setting would cost 1,000 euro a week the yeah. equivalent of it okay, so, so that's, but it's not so just that, financial so that's one uh, reason for delayed discharges we need more step down beds right. The other then, obviously, is the home care packages. The home care packages is another area. Uh, there's also, say, God forbid, if somebody gets a stroke and they have only a bathroom upstairs and a bedroom upstairs and we need to get to, you know, the house needs to be modifications and yeah. adaptations. That can be a huge challenge. That's very time consuming. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
there's a grant process from the Cork uh, County Council and then Tatch will get the works done so that can be a second but again transitional care would step in there and that's where transitional care I really think that transitional care is, is hugely important to this we've done it in Clonakilty we've done it in Mallow Cork is leading the way on transitional care I think if you could replicate that if we have 14 beds in Clonakilty Community Hospital if you could scatter that to Linton Brett of the country with all of these community hospitals one in every five community hospitals just had seven or eight transitional care beds the Linton Brett of the country well you would have a you'd make a massive dent on the 300 people that are on trolleys tomorrow because you could take 300 people out of the acute system. It's fantastic. Very, is, very is, simply. Is the one ward open now in, in Clannacilty? Yeah, the, the ward is, uh, I don't know, is it open this week, literally? Is it this week or next week, whether it will open or not? But it's. I was in there only uh, last week with uh, Simon Harris and uh, it's 95% ready, Great. completed, ready to okay, go. Okay, now you have been set a task of a work setting up a working group to deal with the issue of mm-hmm. uh, delayed discharges. Who, who, who are you going to speak with? Who's going to be on the work? group Okay, well, the first working group I had first was which did the research for me on it. People like Tony McNamara, the CEO of CUH, who a lot of your listeners will be familiar with, was on that working group. There was academics from UCC from the medical uh, side of things there. There was practitioners, there was nurses, there was people from Dublin. We had somebody from the Dublin Chamber of Commerce just to give a business perspective. So we had a very interesting group of people. We had the CEO of a hospital group. We had the CEO or the chair of a hospital group. We had frontline people there. We had people from the Department of HSE. So that work has been done and they have commissioned their report and given it to me. So now it's up to me really to drive it with the leaders in the HSE, the management team of the HSE and the uh, department officials. That's what the next stage of it will be to actually drive the kind of change we want to see. And would you hope by this time next year to see a big change? I, yeah, I mean, the hope is that we'll start this in, in January and that by winter 2019 that we will have a number. We want to clear it. We want to solve it. It's an issue that there has been there. There will always be. There will always be an issue with the yeah. latest charges. I remember the Taoiseach saying to me one time when I said it to him and chatted about it, he said, God, that is one of the most difficult areas he said to tackle. And I said, I I appreciate that but I like a challenge and it's something I'd like to do and, and you know I think we will make progress and we'll improve the situation we won't wipe it out or anything like that there is an issue you also asked what are the other issues that affect delayed discharges it's not just home help it's not just financial packages it's not just fair deal nursing home base there's also a clinical area there you know the idea that um, radiology shuts down at 5 o'clock on a Friday evening or people aren't discharged on a Saturday or a Sunday or you know people are brought in on a Sunday for the Monday and maybe somebody hasn't come on a consultant to sign them off and you know we need to look at those work practices as well that you don't have to wait till you know Monday morning to be discharged if you're fit to be discharged on Saturday morning maybe you're just waiting for the results of your blood test and they don't come in until Monday morning again because of work practices that have built up over years so that'll be the more difficult part of it and I think will be very important part of it is to actually challenge some of the clinical practices and the work practices that take place as well. Okay, Mick says uh, ask Minister Jim Daly to open up Mallow Hospital and uh, it's underutilised. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar. I'll be honest with Mick there, but I mean, certainly I have said it to a lot of my Oireachtas colleagues that I'd be anxious to work with any of them who want to explore this avenue in any of their local community hospitals. If they feel there's capacity there, they should approach the, the hospital management, the HSE management, and I'd certainly be happy to work with them on that. OK, Fair Deal. How is Fair Deal working? And are, are you are you happy with the way it's working at the moment? Yeah, Fair Deal is, um, you know, it's financially challenging for the year ahead. Um, it has been flagged in the service plan that's going to be published tomorrow. Uh, there's 990 million euro put towards fair deal for the year ahead but the increases are, are fairly significant I think it, there's an increase of about 30 million euro in the cost of fair deal for the year ahead because of uh, increased payments to, to nursing homes primarily um, who look after as I said 80% of them are looked after by private nursing homes and the TPF do the, the arrangement and the pricing mechanism there's been a lot of increases in the cost of care for them that have been to be met on the changes to fair deal 
uh, I've flagged there uh, for some time over the past year about um, farm assets and farmers that after three years a cap would apply to the contributions. That is proving pretty difficult on a, on a I suppose a technical point of view just to get the actual heads of the bill through into the doll or whatever I'd hope to have it done by the end of the year. I won't now have it done by the end of the year. It has gone from me, gone from my department, gone over to the legal team. They're working through it and you know we're hoping to get it into the doll during the year, uh, in the coming year to put that cap on farm assets for three years. So it's still there, it's still to happen but it's just taking longer than I would like uh, it to have happened. OK. Um, the eviction in, in Roscommon, I can see somebody saying, what did Jim Daly make of that coming from a rural background? Uh, and, be, and nobody can condone the violence what happened but the actual yeah. eviction itself Jim did you see the footage I, I didn't actually I didn't actually Patricia sometimes when you do these shows you get to the week went her own little world I actually haven't followed any of that story okay. I didn't see the news I said the last two days you know so but this I d- vulture fund yeah I can give you an overall yeah. view that I don't know yeah. any specifics of that on evictions I mean look it's a difficult line obviously it's very heart rendering to see anybody put out of their home but I mean there are a lot of cases where somebody you know uh, this is slightly different now to that case I don't know and I want to stress that but in there a case where people make no effort whatsoever to make repayments pay nothing back for 10 years you know I mean the law has to be applied somewhere as well there you know you can't have me and my neighbour living side by side and I'm doing everything scraping to have ends meet to make my mortgage repayments and somebody else alongside me just makes no effort whatsoever ultimately you're going to have to have a law allowed so evictions by their nature are going to be a fact of life um, no more than repossessions are of a car that isn't paid for or repossessions of, of anything else that isn't but paid families for families that are making genuine efforts. Yeah, but of course where families are making genuine efforts. But look, people need to realise that banks cannot evict anybody and this is something I find very interesting that people don't understand. There is no bank can evict you or me or Vulture Fund. The only person who can evict you from your home is the court which is a judge and the judge has to hear your side has to hear the bank's side and the judge will always always come down on your side nearly always and ever against the big bad banks so it is really only a case where when you look at the detail of the cases that actually evictions occur and again I stress I'm not talking about Roscommon because I have no yeah, knowledge of it yeah. if you look at the detail you will find that a judge has allowed an eviction go ahead the judge will only allow an eviction go ahead where there has been absolutely no effort whatsoever on behalf of complete blatant disregard for law of the land and then a judge and only then will allow but a bank cannot go in and take her home off okay. you and people need to know that as well Jerry uh, says Patricia well done to Minister Jim Daly for all his hard work this is not praise just recognition of someone that is willing to bring about positive change well done says um, uh, Jer. you're in the Mallow Primary Healthcare centre today? I am. I'm going down to look at the memory room there, the Dementia Memory Room. It's a, a resource centre for people who have dementia that the HSE have rolled out in Linton Brett of the country and uh, Michael Fitzgerald, the head of the HSE the National Director in charge of older people has suggested to me to go and look at them so I asked to see someone local so he suggested the Mallow one which is one of the, the leaders in the country. So I'm going down there at 12 o'clock today. It's essentially a resource for people who have dementia and their carers very importantly their carers to come along and have a look at some of the assistive technologies and like very simple things like uh, if somebody has dementia which is memory loss which we all have some degree of and as you get older it becomes more uh, pronounced uh, is a large clock in the room with the day and the date you know, so if you're a bit That's forgetful, a thing, yeah. it's a really, really simple thing. Yeah. But it's a large clock, day and date, so that when you get up in the morning and your memory is challenging and you're trying to remember what day you have or what date you have, it's there in front of you all day. It's just, you know, that kind of a reassurance. So very simple things like that. So they are on display in these memory resource rooms and there's one in the primary care centre in Mallow, which I'm going to view at 12 o'clock. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, and the and the other one I said I'd ask you about, because you were um, a teacher in a former life. Uh, and I don't know if you were listening to us this morning, we're, we're discussing Christmas presents for teachers and we have a family a little bit stretched for cash uh, and and 
really doesn't think they, they can afford it. What, what was your, what is your view on, did you get, to, did you get presents at Christmas from pupils? Yeah, I used to get presents. I still have what you believe if you looked at my mantelpiece at home or whatever, there's still the odd little thing and I say I got that from a student when I was, but I'd have to stress and I, I did hear some of your show there yeah. this morning the way down I was listening and, and interested. Uh, I personally as a parent wouldn't be under pressure to give um, teachers gifts at Christmas. What I would actually be more think is that you can give a teacher a gift at any time of year. It doesn't have to be Christmas and I don't think you should be tied to that. I yeah. think if you feel that you'd like to acknowledge the teacher has gone over and above for your child, you know, do it at Easter, do it at some other time. Christmas is is, is fraught with financial pressure. And Every teachers family, don't. Uh, like the there's no expectation. No, no, it. none yeah. that ever, ever was. In actual fact, I think the teachers would feel for, you know, the parent who feels they have to send something in. And if they have two or three kids, and I heard you talk that's about three that. Three children. Three children. They're, you know, a 10 year ahead or 20 year ahead. You know, that's a lot of money. And on top of the myriad of other demands. So I would say to parents, you know, try and avoid Christmas time for giving something. If you really want to give something to a teacher, your teacher will appreciate it every bit as much, if not more, if you give them on Petty's Day or give them at Easter or give them on a random Friday when they're not expecting anything at all. And just say, there's a little something to acknowledge the kindness you have given to my And child. then some of the schools have been quite proactive by sending a note home saying the teachers have got together and they don't want any gifts this year. That's proactive of the schools, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Like it, it really is. There is zero expectation. I've been a principal teacher myself and I, I understand that side. But there is zero expectation on any family to give presents to their teachers at Christmas um, or at any time of year. But, you know, yeah. if they really feel like As someone it. said, there is a bit of keeping up with the Joneses with some of the parents, uh, not all of them, unfortunately. OK, we'll leave it there because I'm conscious of the time and you, and you need to get off to the Manor Primary Healthcare Centre. Thank you for that, uh, Jim, and have a good Christmas. Many happy and, returns uh, we'll to you ta- and to all your listeners as well, Patricia. We'll talk again in the new year. Thank you for that. That is uh, the Minister for State for Mental Health and Older People, Jim Daly. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. By text, somebody saying half the problem with bed block, we're not using the word, uh, delayed discharges is lack of home care. Older folk were looked after by daughters-in-law are family members but they discovered they lost pension entitlements thanks to Joan Burton and Fine Gael's decision in order to save money at the start of the recession back in 2012 by increasing PRSI pay- payments and contributions from 500 to 520 from 320 without a lead-in period. That has since just lately been uh, sorted out and only last week actually we had the first of our old age pensioners who had received the reduced state pension say they got the letter they're getting their old age pension is going to be increased by 20 euro per week and it was going to be backdated as well so the very first of those letters because we knew the review was underway I had been thinking it would be into the new year before people would start getting the letters but we start hearing last week so that has been uh, sorted out so do not let that be an excuse for for not looking after an older person in the home now this year Dunmanway Meals on Wheels will not be hosting their annual community Christmas dinner so a group of local volunteers have decided to step up to the plate and organise it themselves so joining me with details of this year's Dunmanway community Christmas dinner it is Joe Cadwell good morning to you Joe Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome to the programme. Firstly, we- well done to you and uh, the other volunteers. Why have you decided to do this? Well, when we found that it wasn't going ahead at its usual venue, um, a few of us put our heads together and thought, what can we do? Um, and we realised that actually, you know, Christmas is about being with others and making your memories. But for an awful lot of people, the reality of that is very, very different. So, you know, it might be someone who's on their own for whatever reason um, and or it might be someone who's struggling financially 
or it could be people in a home where they don't have the facilities to actually cook a Christmas dinner. And we felt for those reasons it was important to go ahead and try and do something. So you don't question the reason why somebody needs Not it, Christmas, which no. is lovely, which is lovely. No, so they can just ring me um, or, you know, on the Facebook page, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and booking, and we not asking any questions whatsoever. Everyone is welcome. Um, so, I'll, uh, explain to us what people can expect on the day. Um, on the day, um, we'll obviously do a meet and greet with non-alcoholic mulled wine and other drinks. Um, then there'll be a full Christmas dinner, turkey and ham. There will be vegetarian and a vegan option as well. Um, and then there'll be a variety of desserts. Um, we've got um, a children's little mini concert in the morning where some local families are bringing their children in to do some entertainment. Then we also have um, in some live entertainment, some singers coming along to lead a sing-song and then a bit of disco music in the afternoon as well, sort of traditional Christmas stuff. So um, a nice party atmosphere, a nice, but a family yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, and, and that's what we wanted it to be about. And I think what um, become obvious to us as we are organising it is yes there will be families coming to it but the whole community from small children up to the elderly within the Manway and the wider environment in West Cork um, want to be involved and want to come along and support it which I just think is fantastic really. How many do you expect would attend? Um, we think about 50 plus at the moment which um, not all from the Manway we've got people coming from Castletown there, from Skibbereen and from Bantry, um, but obviously a lot from Demanway as well. Wow. So, um, but, but if that increases, then that's fine with us as well. And for, for many of these, they would be spending Christmas Day for some on their own. No on one. Their own. T- oh my God. Yeah. What, what, what a lovely, lovely thing uh, you've, you've decided to organise. Now, where is the event going to be held and, and what's your sort of time frame oh. on the day? Right. So it's going to be held in. Cox's Hall in the Manway, which um, we've been very grateful to the Reverend Cliff Jeffers for um, letting us have the use of that hall for the day. Um, and it starts at about 11 to 11.30 and it will go on till 3 and just after. Um, and can I just say as well, Patricia, that we have been very kindly donated the use of three buses by rural transport and we have three volunteer drivers for the day. So if anyone needs um, transport to Cox's Hall um, then we're happy to go out and collect them and bring them in and oh. take them home as well. You've thought of everything. Now we how, are, to, how are you covering the cost of a day like this? Well, um, believe it or not we just put out a Facebook page saying what we were doing and asking people to either volunteer to help or to sponsor something and we have to say we have been overwhelmed with the response that we've got. Um, we've had money, we've had shopping vouchers, we've had, like, for example, the Scouts and the Cubs have each brought in a present so that we've got a present to give to people. Um, local businesses have donated gifts for us as well. Um, so it's all been sort of just money raised from a Facebook page, basically, when we explain what we were doing. And no shortage of volunteers? No, we have... Yeah, loads and loads of volunteers um, for Christmas Eve, which is our main prep day, and then um, on Christmas Day as well. Um, and could I just say, because um, we've just confirmed it this morning, that the head chef from the Parkway Hotel um, 
is giving up his Christmas day to cook everything for us. Um, And also um, Richard Galvin from Galvin's is doing some cooking as well. So we're very grateful for all those offers. So So you've got um, professional chefs helping you out. (laughs) Yes, we have. Plus all of us that just would normally cook for about eight eight at home or whatever. But um, yes, just the the response, as I say, has just been phenomenal for us. You'll have a lot of potatoes to peel for 50 plus people, can I just Um, point out? I think think we've added up this morning, it's about 70 kgs that we will be peeling on Christmas Eve. So (laughs) so that's why I've not turned away any volunteers at all. Let let alone, I think think there's about 30 kgs of carrots, not to mention the sprouts and everything else. But um, we'll make it a party atmosphere on Christmas Eve as well when we're prepping. So we're all really looking forward to it. And then all of the volunteers, Joe, come three o'clock when the last of the meals have been served and the last of the crackers have been pulled. You'll all just yes. head home to your own houses then, is it? We will. And, we'll we'll well. clear up and leave Cox's Hall as we found it, hopefully. And then, yeah, we'll all go back and do our own um, Christmas stuff, yes. So, uh, yeah, it should be a great fun day. And uh, as I say, we're all really looking forward to it. Oh, what a kind, generous thing to do on, on what is such a special day. Well well done to everybody involved. And I mean, we know Penny Dinners do, do, do the same thing. Um, and that's why I was, I was doing my best yesterday to try to find out. I think you're the only other group outside yeah. of Penny Dinners. Um, like there's lots of groups doing dinners fantastic and delivering them the day before or getting people to come and collect them the day before and they are are, are uh, brilliant initiatives as well but actually organising a day where you're saying to people come if you're on your own or you're you know for whatever reason you can't put a Christmas dinner together come join us come sit around yeah. our table Yeah and, and we did that Patricia not, not just for the meal because actually for most people that come along the meal isn't really the focal point it's it's actually about being with other people and having someone to share the day with because, you know, if you are on your own or whatever other issue you've got, um, it can be a very lonely day because Absolutely. you're aware of what everyone else is getting up to and obviously there's so much, you know, the commercial side of it that people see and it can isolate them even further. So that was the, the reason for us doing it rather than, yes, we'll feed them and we'll feed them very well, but there was a whole other issue to it as well. Well, each and every, every one of you have got to be congratulated. And it's not too late if people would like no. to either help you out, offer you support, or more importantly, would like to join you for on the day. Yeah, our, our, our biggest um, shout out now is um, really for people. Um, please come along and join us. There'll be no questions asked. Just all you need to do is give me your name. Um, if I could give out the phone number in a please moment, do, I'd be yeah. grateful for that. Yeah. Um, just give us your name. And tell us whether you want transport and then just come along and enjoy the day. Okay, so what number can they contact you? Um, Mobile number is 085-865-9782. 8565 and the Facebook page Facebook page is the Manway Community Dinner Okay Alright Good luck with it Joe and I can sense it in your voice you're looking forward to it you're going to enjoy the day as well and that's what happens we'll have a great time Well happy Christmas to one and all and well done and
You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Text in from Elizabeth St. Patricia. Do, does anybody know if the fuel allowance is going to be paid the first week in January? I've just done a quick search for you on the citizens' information who are always in the know. And I'm assuming you're talking about the lump sum, the two lump sum payments, because fuel allowance is paid uh, every week starting in October and runs for 28 weeks. But the lump sum payment is where you could opt to get it in two lump sum payments, the first of which was paid out in October. The second lump sum is expected to be 290 €92.50. It's less than the first one and it'll be paid in the second week of January. So the second week of January, not the first week. And it's €292.50. That's for anyone who gets their fuel allowance paid by lump sum rather than the weekly rate. So the second week in uh, January. Some of your thoughts coming in to us on the eviction. And this is tied in with, because I did ask Minister Jim Daly about his opinion on what happened in Roscommon. Hi Patricia, absolutely outraged by what Minister Jim Daly said about the eviction in a County Roscommon. He said he didn't know anything about the case and didn't see any videos of the eviction. He then went on to say that there are those that make no efforts to pay loans or mortgages. What does this imply? to the Roscommon case. Shameful. Well, if you listen back to the interview, he did say that there are people who make no efforts at all and that goes before the courts and then there's a court order and the sheriff uh, moves in. And he was at pains to point out that he wasn't in any way referencing what happened in Roscommon because he didn't have the background to the case. Um, You know, maybe he doesn't watch the internet or look on social media as much as uh, those of us do but we spend too much time on social media because certainly anyone that was on social media over the weekend would have seen video evidence of the eviction and what happened this day last week but you know he says he didn't and he said he doesn't know anything about the case but he did preface all his comments by saying what he was talking about are people who just deliberately default as opposed to somebody who can't afford to pay. And he was at pains to point that he wasn't in any way referencing what has happened in uh, Roscommon. Also in on the eviction, TJ in Mitchellstown, the big bosses have had debts taken over by NAMA and were given salaries to run their businesses to nearly the same tune as the wages they earned before, whereas the banks sold the small business debts to vulture funds, putting people under massive pressure. This was the policy from the top down. The big guys got the respect and the small businesses got nothing. Everyone should be respected the same way and we shouldn't have one rule for one and one rule for somebody else. That's from TJ in Mitchellstown. Thank you for that, uh, TJ. And Michael says, Patricia, well-respected Tipperary ma'am, the famous Dan Breen, once said on TG Cahar that if somebody tried to come onto his land, his country or any property to take it, he would shoot them and that he never regretted shooting dead anybody who tried. He said his only regret was the B, I'm not using the B word, that he missed. If the Strokestown disaster is going to be repeated, which it most likely will be, you will sadly see lives being lost. The consequences are too dreadful to even think about. Please let common sense prevail and let us negotiate. That's good words of wisdom from you, Michael, in Castletown Bear. And that's exactly what Seamus Sherlock from the ICSA was saying. Mediation was the word he uses, but it's the, the same word, same meaning. We need to get people around tables and we need to thrash out and work out and sort out a solution and, and get to the bottom of it. 
Um, I 100% would agree with you, Michael. Thank you for that. Okay. Also in to us, helps us a listener. Any ideas for keeping car windows from fogging up? I'm driving around with the window open and it's kind of a bit chilly to have the window open. I, I, yeah, I have a tendency to put the heating on and off, on and off. Then I get too hot and I have to turn it off. And then the window fogs up again and then I switch it, the heating back on again. I'm, I, so I'm with you on this. I, I'd love to know a solution as well. And it's to try to keep the temperature exactly so it's not too hot, you're not too cold. But if you're, if it gets, you need it hot enough to, to, to demist, to, to get the fog away from the window. But as soon as you switch it off, because you overheat, you're back to square one. If anybody in the know can help us, please. And I don't know if that's another female texture or not, but I'm coming at it from a very dizzy female or a female who really has no clue. But that certainly always happens to me with the windows getting uh, fogged up. Sam says, Patricia, is there any fund to help repair the damage done to the house of the family that were evicted? Not that I know of. If I come across one, I certainly will share it with you, but certainly I don't know of one. On putting the wires underground, and this is the ESB wires, this suggestion came up in the last hour because we always after we huge storm well I don't know if it was a storm yesterday but certainly very windy blustery conditions yesterday and of course we come into work today to hear of power outages across the county and even still hearing about some more power outages happening uh, today and lots of people saying we need to put all of our electricity wires put them all underground so that we can have storm activity and we're not worried that we're going to be without power. Someone, and I always make the point that it's, it's usually the argument before it is cost. It would cost too much for the ESB to put all of the wires underground. But somebody by text says, if the main telephone wires on the main road, i.e., for example, the N71, can be run underground with pipe work, then surely so can electricity wires. Okay, so it might be necessary to run the cables in separate pipes in order to prevent overheating and build power check inspection houses where cables join. But it would cut out a lot of the storm damage cost. That's a a good point. If you add up what they spend, what the ESB networks then have to spend on getting crews out in atrocious conditions to get people back, get electricity back. And if you look at what that costs versus... I'm talking about the cost of putting the pipes underground. I wonder, long term, is it a false economy to not uh, sink them? It certainly would be worth, I think, looking into that uh, for sure. Uh, thank you for your text to 086 On Christmas gifts to teachers, there's two lovely comments in, if I can find them. Uh, James contacted us. He is in the Cloyne area and he's a school bus driver. And he says, as a bus driver, he gets presents from the children as well. He says he's received cards over the years with money in it. He's received boxes of chocolates from the from the children. He drives for both primary and secondary school runs. He never wants any of the presents. He never asks for any of the presents, but he gets them every single year. Now, if he receives cash in any of the cards, he always gives that to a local charity. It's not a very ge- generous thing for James to do. He said people can go crazy some of the amounts he has received over the years this is ridiculous but he said he had a child on the bus many many years ago that took a copy a page out of the copy book and drew a card for Jim and Jim said would you believe it is the only card out of all of the cards he has received over the years that he's actually kept it meant that much to him isn't that sweet That really is sweet. Thank you for that James and someone else by WhatsApp sends in a really good idea 
Lorraine, thank you, Lorraine, for this. The Cyber Patricia, what's your Christmas gift for the children, for the teacher? I always make a batch of mince pies and I make a little box of six and I give a little box of six to each teacher. Dress them up with a ribbon and it actually looks fab and the children heading into school are dead proud because Mammy made them. Isn't that? That's lovely. And I bet you the teachers are thrilled with a gift like that but you could see the children being very proud and if you could get the children involved to help you can imagine Johnny or Mary running in to say I helped Mammy make these and you can ticky them up and decorate them and make them look really nice indeed. Thank you for that uh, Lorraine. On being alone at Christmas Margaret says Patricia um, I would be alone on Christmas Day and it isn't the first time I would be alone but this year I've decided to do something. I'm going to a restaurant in Yall and I'm booked in for my dinner and then I'm going to have a nice brisk walk on the boardwalk after and then I'll come home to my four-legged children and that's from Margaret in uh, Tala that sounds like a lovely Christmas and it's your own decision and you're doing what you want to do which is which is really lovely and that's one of the one of the big things about Christmas it's got to be important that people make their own decisions on what they feel comfortable with but I think that story out of Dunmanway and their community dinner they're thinking about people who, for whatever reason, some won't be able to afford a Christmas dinner. Others, it's got nothing at all to do with costs, but they hate the idea of being on their own. And there's literally nobody for them to, there's no family around. They've lost contact with friends, uh, perhaps. Or, you know, for whatever reason, they just don't want to spend it with family and friends, but yet they don't want to be on their own. And that's where that community dinner, no questions asked. People can simply come along, book in, because they need to obviously know the numbers when they're peeling the potatoes on Christmas Eve I will be thinking of them with there was a 70 kgs of, of potatoes to be peeled but they need to know how many they're peeling so that's why they do need to know uh, here from uh, people but if uh, if you're in the Dunman we're surrounding areas because they have the the rural transport willing to go out and collect people so don't let transport uh, be your issue and come along and no questions asked you'll just have a wonderful wonderful day and you'll start to build up new beautiful memories about Christmas and I promise you if you do go along you will remember Christmas Day of 2018 for many many years to come I've just been told that the park road is partially flooded in Mallow some cars are chancing their arm but they're turning back it's very bad from the bridge to the old Carragoon clubhouse from the bridge to the old Carragoon Clubhouse, if that makes sense uh, as well. But the park road partially flooded. Please stop chancing your arm, thinking you can make it through. You can't. 1850 333 The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. A Christmas monster bingo is being held tonight in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. The jackpot is €1,000. Plus a bumper Christmas raffle doors will open at eight for a half eight start. Anam Cara in the West Cork branch, they are supporting bereaved parents. They're holding their monthly meeting, Maritime Hotel in Bantry, 7.15 tonight. Free and confidential service uh, with uh, no obligation to get involved. Just come along for support. A carol service will be held in the Church of Ireland in Formoy, half past seven this evening. Sing along with Castelline's Gospel Choir refreshments will be served. The 20th annual Christmas Day Swim will be held this year at 11am at Inchidani Beach. Swimmers will meet at 10.30. Fundraising cards from Eileen Lyons and Kathleen O'Farrell and it's in aid of the CUH Cancer Day Unit. 
that will help to run run new swimmers are gratefully appreciated. The annual swim at Roberts Cove taking place on Christmas Day, half past 11. Proceeds are going to be divided between Tracton Camogie Club and their community council. And if you are in Bandon Leaving Search class of 1988, please don't miss out on their monster 30-year reunion. It's on Friday, December 28th in the Copper Grove in Bandon from 8 till late. And Chambly Moor Bingo will be held tonight. Doors open at 8 for half 8 start. Great Jack great jackpot and loyalty draw will be held this evening. Are you a fan of Nathan Carter? If so, what is the missing word? So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back now. We're starting gigging in England this week. Coming, I'm going back to do a hometown gig. That's where's the hometown gig that Nathan was talking about? Caller 10 to get through to John Paul now. 1850 and caller 10, 10, 10, 10 wins a pair of tickets to go along and see Nathan Carter live at the Marquee on Friday the 14th of June. Tickets went on sale today at 9am at ticketmaster.ie but your chance to win a pair of tickets by telling us the missing words. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back now. We're starting gigging in England this week. Coming, I'm going back to do a hometown gig. Okay, get dialing on that one. Uh, 1850-333-103. We are on the countdown to Christmas. We are now officially one week away this day, next week being Christmas Day. And we try our best in the final week before Christmas Day to play songs that you don't traditionally hear all the time on the radio. We have all the wonderful Christmas songs that we hear year in, year out. But we try and go for ones that... The kind of not the run of the mill ones and the Christmas carols that we don't get to hear all the time. Now, last week I was asked to make sure when I was playing the Christmas songs that, that I would play uh, the first Noel for I just can't remember Noel's surname, whose birthday I think was yesterday. She's one of the Christmas babies. So, this and there are a lot of Noel's and Noel's running around who have birthdays anytime from now right over the Christmas uh, period. So, this is the first Noel, and this is Susan Boyle's version of. The first Noel. This is a real uh, lovely tune. Sit back, relax, and listen to this. The first Noel, the angels did say, was to such and poor shepherds in fields as they lay. In fields where they lay keeping their sheep On a cold winter's night that was so deep Nowhere 
Hope you enjoyed that. That is Susan Boyle and uh, her version of the first Noel, as I say, trying to play songs that you don't typically hear every single day in the run up to Christmas. And we play that for Noels and Noels who all have birthdays around this time. You can stop calling us, by the way. Huge amount of Nathan Carter fans judging by the amount of phone calls we've had in on this. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back now. We're starting gigging in England this week, coming. I'm going back to, to do a hometown gig. He's going back to Liverpool to do a hometown gig. And our winner is Marion Buckley of Inchigila. Uh, congratulations, Marion Buckley, Inchigila. You know now know what you're doing. On Friday the 14th of June 2019, you're heading to the Marquee to see Nathan Carter live. We have more of those tickets to give away every day this week, but a reminder too, if you want to buy uh, tickets, they're on sale as and from today, and you can check them out at ticketmaster.ie. Some of your texts in, we're talking about putting, uh, the suggestion of putting electricity power lines, putting them underground to stop damage from storms. Donna says, Patricia, on sinking all of the cables underground, yes, you're right, it would cost an absolute fortune to bury all of those cables, particularly if you're thinking about farmland. Moreover, what if you to bury them in mountain terrain where there's a lot of rock? So Donald says, if trees were cut down near power lines, that would solve a lot of the problems. And how often, Donald, has that suggestion been made on this programme by listeners? Every time we have a storm, we will inevitably have somebody, usually somebody living in a rural area or somebody who's seen the damage that's been done from trees falling down as a storm, saying now that the, the calm after the storm, can we get out there, please, and get rid of all of the, the trees that are near power lines? So a lot of people, Donald, will agree with you on that. Dan says, Patricia, this is on evictions until the government put a total ban on evictions. Banks won't negotiate but then landlords on 200k a year in the doll are unlikely to go for that ban says Dan. You mentioned fuel I mentioned fuel allowance earlier a listener says is the fuel allowance means tested and what is it? The fuel allowance is the national fund scheme 
blah 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 let me see it's paid to people who are dependent on long term social welfare benefits and who are unable to provide for their own heating needs so yes in that respect it is means attested and you can only get one fuel allowance uh, paid to a household and there's a whole list of people who may qualify for a fuel allowance people you know on the state pensions widows blind pension invalidity disability deserted wives one parent family and the list goes on and on and on and on and on uh, for any of those if you're if you're ever trying trying to find out if you think you qualify or you're looking for more detail about a particular payment I always direct people to citizens information citizensinformation.ie and they are a mine of information and they're always up to date they are, even after the a budget and never ceases to amaze me within hours of a change in the budget if you go on citizens information they'll have updated whoever does their IT uh, deserves uh, a medal because they they really are fantastic. So citizens' information, because obviously when you get a text in like that, wondering what is um, a fuel allowance, you obviously think you may be entitled to it if you are. Please apply. And having just played Susan Boyle in her lovely version of the first Noel, says whatever happened to Susan Boyle? I do. I don't know. I mean, the album that I have that I dig out every year at Christmas was the Chris was the one she brought out called the Gift, which was a Christmas album. It, and at that time, it it was a psycho production and of course that's Simon Cole's uh, Simon Cowell's production company so I don't know I mean I know the fame bless her heart she found it extremely difficult to cope with all of the fame and she was doing well and then I think she had a bit of a breakdown and the family sort of rallied around to, to give her support I, I'm, I'm trying to even think have I seen her you know every now and again the, people will turn up on chat shows or she'll be part of a panel or, or she'll sing at some event on or some TV programme and you know I haven't seen her in quite some time I'll, I'll do a bit of investigation this afternoon and see if we can find out where Susan what ha- whatever happened to Susan Boy but she certainly was very very talented 1850 let's take a break and let's come back and chat with Joe Heffernan Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Joe Heffernan joins us on this uh, Tuesday afternoon and this is our last slot for 2018. And as we always do on the last one, uh, we offer words of advice to those who have been bereaved and uh, facing into Christmas without a loved one. Uh, Good afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And Christmas can be a tough time because of bereavement. Absolutely. You know, um, you know the way people will say um, well, we'll all be home for Christmas, or we were all at home for Christmas, and um, which is a very usual thing in families, but uh, especially the first Christmas, but any Christmas where there is uh, where there has been a death in the family, um, it's a tough old time. Um, it's a time when one was used to being together. I actually remember. Our son, Ken, who, as you know, um, isn't well. But two years ago, he's, he, he said to me, and it really hit home with me, he said, this will be my first Christmas, Dad, in 40 years that I'm not 
at home. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of families go through that as well at Christmas where they have loved ones living abroad. Yeah. And where, you know, so, so people get separated. Yeah. Because all, all, of... All that now, like, is, um, I don't know what it is, but six, seven, eight thousand miles away. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and as you know, he's not well. And um, it's a tough time. Yeah. It's tough. We used to have six around the Christmas uh dinner table um, then it became uh, five but that was a happy thing because uh, Colin got married and was spending time w- with his wife of course and um, uh, and now it's four and um, uh, again that would be a kind of a happy thing on account of like there's a little grandson who is two but it's not a happy time on account of that uh, he's not well yeah. but I mean, where there's life, there's hope. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And what we're and what we're sadly talking about today yeah. are the people who the, the, their loved ones are never coming back to They're join them back. Uh, around the Christmas table. Now, you always say, and I've quoted you on this: um, there are no musts or have tos. No, no. <laughs> it's just that, however you are, is how you are. That's like, um, don't be feeling guilty if you're having a laugh at a good television program or at a joke um, or being, you know, uh, jovial with with members of the family and don't feel obliged to, um, to be sad. But if you are sad, that's fine too. I mean, it doesn't feel good, but um, to just be yourself. Like, um, in other words, don't be don't be thinking like what is appropriate. Nothing is appropriate. Nothing is the right way, and nothing is the wrong way. Because there's no right or wrong way to grieve. No, yeah. no, and it's different for, I suppose, nearly everyone. Um, uh, I was reading there where um, uh, a family um, uh, for the first four Christmases after uh, the husband died, um, they, they they went away from home for Christmas. Other people would say, oh, I wouldn't like to do that. And bored people would be right. Um, uh, because what's right for uh, one person is right for them. And, 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 uh, and not to be in any way judgmental. I mean, if you hear people laughing loudly in the next room that you wouldn't be kind of saying, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. I mean, don't they realise that X is no longer with us? But just allow people, let everyone feel his or her own feelings and uh, and to act um, accordingly. And that's important if you've got like a family all coming back together and somebody's missing. Everybody will handle that situation di- differently. Absolutely. And just be aware that everybody deals with it differently. Yes. Uh, but not to be afraid to bring up um, the uh, subject of the deceased person uh, and and the bereavement and the grieving uh, that you're feeling. Um, for example, I mean, at Christmas dinner, it might it might be it might suit um, a family to have a moment silence, a moment of remembrance for the deceased member who is no longer sitting at the table with us. Um, but 
not to kind of feel, oh God, people are in fairly good form now and I'm going to bring the whole thing down uh, by saying that I am missing uh, him or her. Uh, no, I mean, uh, it's, it's, if, if, if you feel like uh, saying, I'm having a bad all day, I'm remembering my loved one, well then, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And um, it would be a very peculiar person who would object to it, or who would say, you know, uh, no one is going to say to anybody, you shouldn't feel that way. I mean, how we feel is how we feel. And um, uh, we don't, unfortunately, we can't govern that. It would be lovely to have a few buttons on our chest that we could press happy or press sad or press whatever. How you feel is how you feel. I mean, I suppose the main message that we're talking about today is that there are absolutely no rules. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. But talk about the bereaved person. Yeah. And, and remember the happy times and remember the Christmases when we were all together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe remember some of the funny things that happened. Yeah. We all have things that were funny on Christmas Day. And, um, you know, uh, some people uh, might um, like to uh, visit the grave, if that's what you would like to do. But that do doesn't that. work for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. And, and not to insist that it should work for everyone. Yeah. Um, if you feel like going to the, to the graveyard um, to maybe put a few flowers or say a few words or just visit it, um, that's fine. But not to say, well, that's what we're all going to do because that might not suit the next person. Um, uh, a person might like to light a candle um, on the table um, uh, a person might like to acknowledge an empty chair, um, but um, wh- whatever you feel will get you through the day, and also honour um, the person who who is no longer there and, and remember them. But certain um, rituals and uh, and traditions, for some people. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of one like, um, say, you always go to, you always went to midnight mass. For some people, that might be too much the first year or the second year, and that's okay to say. Well, we just won't do that this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was talking um, to a person um, who, when they would go to the the the, the shopping centres uh, at Christmas, and um, the uh, her her husband had passed away in in the not too distant past. And um, you know the way that they're playing all the um, the Christmas uh, jingle bells. And, yeah, the music over the tannoy or the Christmas all songs. The time. Yeah. And and uh, that um, her her big worry was um, that she would be extremely tearful because I suppose music touches us very deeply and yeah. brings back memories. And um, uh, you know, hearing the likes of I wish you a Merry Christmas which is lovely um, you know might um, bring on tears and the person that I was chatting with um, wa- was kind of saying that she'd be afraid that she'd as as we'll call it make a show of herself um, uh, b- by by having uh, a, a break uh, down a meltdown yeah in, yeah in public yeah in yeah. public no, but don't and listen don't worry about it I think I think Christmas is a very emo- I find music at Christmas extremely uh, emotional yes 
And I, I, I think a lot, a lot of people do um, as well. OK, um, dressing the tree and yeah. those kind of traditions. Be, be mindful of, of those. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, we'll hear the word often, won't we? Like, it was always, it was always, Jim, that... Uh, that, uh, that that put up the decorations on the tree, or it was always um, uh, Julia who um, put the decorations around the hallway or the kitchen, or maybe something on the front door. Um, and the it was always is very poignant because that's not what's going to be happening this year. Um, uh, so those are little things that can... Uh, bring on uh, m- memories, memories that can be lovely and can be pleasant, and maybe that there would be photos that one would look at, and then another person might rather just go out the door and go away for a nice long walk. Um, and again, it goes back to you do what's right for for you. Like I, I mentioned you were coming on today and one of our listeners, Margaret, uh, contacted us and by her own choice, she's on her own for Christmas and she's booked to go to a nice restaurant for a hotel and she plans a nice walk by the beach. But it's her own choice. Yeah. And that's important as well, isn't it? I know you don't want people to feel isolated, but if somebody really wants to be on their own, we need to listen to the bereaved as well. Absolutely, because I suppose there's a big difference between loneliness and solitude. Yeah. Like, lo- loneliness is a sort of an imposition. Um, I'm on my own, and I wish that I was not on my own. But solitude is I'm on my own, because that's what I want to do today, and um, and that should be respected. So that I, I would say to a person that, I mean, uh, where there will be kindness showing by way of invitations, like, would you join us for dinner this year? Um, you know, in the full knowledge that a loved one has passed away. And if a person just doesn't want to do that, to just nicely say, no, actually, I'd prefer to be on my own um, for the day. Uh, but do extend that invitation and don't be thinking somebody else has invited the person because they may not have. Say that again, Patricia. But do extend that invitation to somebody oh, because absolutely. you know you 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 will have people who would love to be with somebody and nobody's asked them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, I you mean, ha- you have a little reflection that you've come across, and I I'm, I don't want to run out of time. That you want to this is remembered joy. Yes, it's um yeah. Will will I read it? Please do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Don't grieve for me. For now, I'm free. I followed the plan God laid for me. I saw his face. I heard his call. I took his hand and I left it all. I could not stay another day to love, to laugh, to work or play. Tasks left undone must stay that way. And if my parting has left a void, then fill it with remembered joy. A friendship shared, a laugh, a kiss. Ah, yes, these things I too shall miss. My life's been full, I've savoured much, good times, good friends, a loved one's touch. Perhaps my time seemed all too brief, don't shorten yours with undue grief. Be not burdened with tears of sorrow, enjoy the sunshine 
of tomorrow. That's lovely. And we have a copy of that, by the way. If anybody wants a copy of it, we can post it out to, uh, if anyone's looking uh, for that, that, that. That really is lovely. Just, I, I suppose the big thing, um, Joe, is, is be kind to each other and to yourself. Yes, and without kind of, I hope, sounding uh, selfish, but I, I always try to distinguish between selfish and self-care. Um, that um, look after yourself. Um, what you need to do is what you need to do. Um, by all means, of course, be kind to um, uh, other family members. Uh, be be kind and thankful to friends who might have invited you to spend Christmas um, with them. If you are on the other side of that, of course, extend the invitation, but don't put any judgment on whether the invitation is accepted or not. Um, uh, There isn't much point in making an invitation and it turning into a sort of um, uh, resentment um, that, uh, you know, totally accept that the person will either accept the invitation or they won't and um, just wish them well so that, um, that they're doing what they need to do. Okay, a listener says, Hi, Joe and Patricia. My mother passed away five months ago. When I think about her, I'm in tears when I visit the grave. Is that okay? Oh, bless your heart. That's very normal, isn't it? Absolutely. Very normal, very normal. And I suppose tears are good. Um, Tears are, I think, healing in the sense that we are expressing our grief and our sorrow um, at what has happened and, and that that can't only be healthy, um, rather than trying to be uh, strong or trying to be doing the stoic and doing the right thing, to just let, let, let the emotions um, uh, happen and to accept them. And uh, there can be an hour good and there can be an hour bad. Um, uh, you know. Don't bottle it up. No. Yeah. No. No. All right. Okay. That's where uh, where we leave it. Uh, Joe, listen, can we wish you a very happy and a peaceful Christmas and thank all the best so for, much, for 2019. And uh, thank you indeed for all your contributions throughout the year. Well, happy Christmas to all at C103 and happy Christmas to all those who are listening. And um, we'll, 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 we'll make the best of the festive season. Absolutely. And we'll, yeah. t- we'll, talk, we'll talk in 2019. God bless. Exactly. Take care. Bye-bye. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We're back with you tomorrow. We have another set of the Nathan Carter tickets to give away. We'll give away a pay every day this week. And don't forget, we're going to Glow. We're bringing the show to Glow on Thursday morning. Until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.